How many people are ready for God's Word? Well, we're in an August sermon series that we're calling Heart for the House. We're taking the month of August to explore an unexplored book. The book of Haggai, it's only two chapters long. Yes, there's a book in the Bible called Haggai. If you're not sure where it is, just simply go to the book of Matthew, turn left three books, you'll find it. And it's the second shortest book in the Bible. Last Sunday, we camped on Haggai chapter 1, 15 verses. Today, I want to take you to Haggai chapter 2. And we're going to look at the first nine verses of Haggai chapter 2. I'm going to share with you a number of things. But as we begin, I want to read to you verse 1 and verse 2. And verse 1 is a time marker. It says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It's the 21st day of the seventh month. In chapter 1, verse 15, we learned that it was the 24th day of the sixth month. But one month has gone by. God's people were starting to rebuild the temple. The foundation was laid. And they're starting to rebuild the temple, but now they are marked with discouragement. I want to talk to you today about your past, your present, your future. I want to declare to you that the best is yet to come. I want to declare to you that God wants to flood your heart with hope today. In the Hebrew calendar, the seventh month was a busy month. There were three festivals that they would honor. First of all, on the first day of the seventh month, it was the Feast of the Trumpets. I understand that on the tenth day of the seventh month, it was the Feast or the Day of Atonement. I learned that from the 15th to the 22nd of the seventh month, it was the Feast of the Tabernacles. This is the second last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. It's one month after they started to rebuild the temple and they're discouraged. And God spoke through the prophet Haggai. Look at verse 2. Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. Speak to the governor leader, Zerubbabel, and to Joshua, the religious leader, the son of Josedak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and ask them certain things. In just a moment, I'm going to point out to you the three questions that God posed to Haggai to ask the people. And I want to start this message today by sharing with you three common characteristics of discouragement that we learn from verse number three of Haggai chapter two. And the first one is a question of comparison, a question of comparing ourselves from our today to our past, from the past to today. 66 years had gone by since the temple was destroyed. 66 years. And they're now starting to rebuild it. And there would be some people in their 80s that would remember the former temple and its glory and its splendor and the gold and the, and the silver. And the temple that they were now starting to build was going to be a, a pale reminder of the past. It, it wouldn't be as glamorous. It wouldn't be as glorious. It wasn't going to have a cherubim in it. It certainly was not going to have the Ark of the Covenant in it. And it was certainly going to be, be something smaller and less splendorous than the former temple. And it says in verse 3, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory. 
And there was a segment of people up in their 80s that were, were answering that question with a yes. I remember the former temple. I, I remember the glory days. I remember what it used to look like. And they were comparing the, the worst of today to the best of the past. And they were playing the comparison game. One of the contemporaries of Haggai was a, a man named Ezra. And you won't see these verses on the screen, but I, I want to read to you from a book that bears the name of, of Ezra. And if you've got your Bible, just turn with me to Ezra chapter 3. And I want to pick it up in the 11th verse. Because here it is, right at that day when, 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 when Haggai had asked the question, who remembers the splendor of the former temple? It says, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He's good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many, watch this, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. And if I understand these verses, there were some in their 80s that were, that were giving shouts of cries of pain because the new temple was, was pale compared to the former temple. And they were remembering the good old temple and they're comparing it to today. They were comparing the worst of today to the best of the past. And they were crying in pain. But the younger ones were shouting for joy. And the shout of joy and the cry of pain was so loud. You could not distinguish the difference. I want to declare to you, church, that sometimes we compare. We compare the worst of today with the best of the past. And some of you are sitting here today. You're in the main level or in the risers or the balcony or in an overflow room or you're watching online and you're looking back to the way your marriage used to be. You're looking back to the way your church used to be. You're looking back to the way your business used to be. You're looking back to the way life used to be. And you're comparing the worst of today to the best best of the past. I've got a word for you today. God is saying to the house, don't look back. Don't be chained to the past. Look ahead. The best is yet to come. Put Jesus into the picture and it all gets better because of, come on, how many people know when you put Jesus into the picture, when you put Jesus into your marriage, when you put Jesus into your family, when you put Jesus into your health, when you put Jesus into your parenting, you put Jesus into your family, it makes the difference. Let's not look back. Let's look ahead. Let's not look back to the way it used to be. And let's not stay the way it is. Let's say that the best is yet to come. Come on, somebody give a little amen or a shout of praise in this place today. The second, the second common cause of discouragement is focusing on flaws. Oh, yeah, the devil laughs when we're looking at the negative and not the positive. And we're seeing all that's wrong and we're not focusing all that's good. We're looking at, at how far we've got to go and you're forgetting how far you've come. You're seeing what's bad and you're not seeing what's good. I expose today that the devil is a thief, a liar, a killer, a destroyer. He's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. We're not going to listen to the lies of the devil, amen, church. We're going to listen to the truth of God. And the question is, how does it look to you now? 
And they were seeing the negative, not the positive. They're seeing the way it is, comparing it to the way it was. And the reason why that this new temple was not being built with the best, watch this, because God's people who had come back from exile had used the best materials to build their homes. And now they didn't have any good material to build the temple. And this new temple was not going to be as splendorous as the former temple. And so Haggai, inspiration of Holy Spirit, Asked them, how does it look to you now? I got a word for you. The devil wants you to see the negative, not the positive. The devil wants to see your sickness, not your healing. The devil wants you to see your mountain, not your miracle. The devil wants to see your lack, not the blessing. The devil wants you to see what isn't. But God says, I want you by faith to believe for what isn't yet is yet to come. Even in your sickness, you might know there's sickness. But may you see not sickness. May you see healing. When you look at your life situation, would you not see what isn't? But may you by faith begin to to believe for what can be because God can take what isn't and turn it into something. Why? Because his name is Jesus and nothing, come on church, nothing is impossible with our God. And then there's number three, number three, overstating issues. And Haggai says to God's people, does it not seem to you like nothing? And the Hebrew word for nothing means it doesn't exist. Like it's absolutely nothing. And sometimes in our perception, we overemphasize the negative and we don't see the good. And here they are so discouraged, looking at the way it is, comparing it to the way it used to be. And they started to perceive it as nothing. I want to take you to number two. I want to talk to you for a couple of moments from verse four and verse five. And I want to give you three things that I believe God wants everyone to do in this place. Number one, be strong. Number one, be strong. And I'm about to read to you a verse that is found throughout the pages of God's word. And every time God's people were called to do something that is difficult, he said to them, be strong. When God raised up Joshua to lead the Israelites, And Joshua was following Moses, and Joshua was feeling intimidated, and how can I do this? God said to him, be strong and courageous, not once, not twice, but three times. And and it's a word that's accompanied to anyone entering into a battle of sorts. And some of you, you're facing a battle right now. You're up against something that's so hard and so difficult. I believe God's word for you today is be strong. Not be strong in yourself, but be strong in Jesus. You might be weak, but Jesus is strong. And I'm here to declare to you, the one who was in you is strong. Jesus is strong. You might feel weak and you might feel weary, but Jesus is strong. Let him be your strength today in the name of the Lord. And so God spoke to Haggai. Haggai said in verse 4, now be strong, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Josedak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. He calls them the people of the land because God was telling them, you are right where you are supposed to be. I brought you out of this Babylonian captivity, and I brought you back to Jerusalem because you are the people of the land. This is where you are meant to be. I've got a word for you today. God has placed you just where you are supposed to be and whatever you are facing in your life situation he is strong he is your strength lean on the strength of the lord lean on the strength of jesus he is the strong one and he is with you every single day come on somebody somebody say amen today and there's number two get to work he said in verse four in work 
You see, what COVID has done, COVID has caused some of us to, to, to sit back in a place of complacency and caused us to sit back and even has caused some apathy to get into our spirit. And I feel the spirit of the Lord is saying to me to say to the house, this is not the time for us to be an audience. This is the time for us to be an army. This is a word for you today. God, it's not place you on earth for just to take up space. He has put you on earth with design, with purpose, whether you're a young child or you're in your 90s or you're somewhere in between God has a plan for you whether you are got sickness in your body whether you are retired or whether you're working or in school God has a plan for you he puts the right people in the right place at the right time and he has brought us together for such a time as this and he's saying to the house today don't be an audience rise up in an army and be strong in the Lord greater things are yet to come in this city and in this nation, he's calling his church to rise up in the name of the Lord. Amen. The third thing is don't, don't fear. Fear is crippled church. Fear is paralyzed believers. Fear is immobilized believers. And I believe God is saying to you and I today, fear not. Fear not. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Do you believe that today? Come on, do you believe that today? Come on, do you believe that today? God has not given us the spirit of fear. And then there's number three, three things that God does. You do your best and God does the rest. And the first thing that God does is his presence is with us. Abraham was gone, Moses was gone, David was gone, Solomon was gone, but God was there. And so God spoke through Haggai, and Haggai said to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. I don't know what you're facing, I don't know what you're walking through, but he's with you every step of the way. And there's nothing that you are going to face that Jesus is not with you. He's not abandoned you, he's not left you, he's with you right now. He was with you yesterday, he's with you today. He's with you when you're on the mountain, he's with you when you're in the valley, he's with you when you're in health. He's with you when you're in sickness. He's with you in the good. He's with you in the bad. Jesus never leaves or forsakes. Number one, his presence is with us. Number two, his promises for us. In verse five, this is what I covenant with you. When you came out of Egypt, God was speaking through Haggai and reminding God's people of what happened when they came out of Egypt. You remember the story, don't you? They come to the Red Sea. And there's an intimidating, huge Red Sea in front of them. And to the north of them, there's mountains. And to the south of them, there's a desert. And behind them is an army of Egyptians chasing them. But Moses, their fearless leader, rose up in strength and stretched forth his staff. And God parted the Red Sea. And one million Israelites crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Hallelujah. On dry ground. And when they got to the other side, the waters poured in. And the horse and the rider of the Egyptians was sunk underneath the water and God said I'm your protector I'm your provider this Red Sea is not too difficult and some of you there's a Red Sea that you're up against it's not too big for our God do you believe that today friends God who parted the Red Sea can part the Red Sea in your life why because he's our protector amen why because he's our provider amen why because he's our deliverer amen and so he says his presence 
presence is with us too. His promise is for us. And then number three, his power is among us. In verse five, my spirit remains among you. I got a word for you today. We're not trapped in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God's power was among them. But in the New Testament, when you become a believer, God's Holy Spirit indwells you. Amen. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the spirit who's in you comes on you. So spirit is not just among us. Spirit is in us. And spirit comes upon us. Zacharias said, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by his spirit, says the Lord Almighty. How many people know God's might and power is found in the Holy Spirit. How many people believe nothing is impossible with our God? If you believe that, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God today. Amen. His presence is with us. His promise is for us. And his power is among us. I want to wrap up this message and I want to give you three ways to put all of this into practice. And I want to leave you, verse 6 down to verse 9, I want to share with you three things. Number one, let go in Jesus' name. There's some of you today that you're holding on to the good old days of what happened in the past, and you're letting yesterday's miracle rob you from God's miracle today. You're looking back and saying, this is what the Lord did, but you're not allowing him to do something fresh and new in you today. God did a revival in 1906 in Azusa Street in California, 1949 in the Hebrides in Scotland. God has done great things in this church, but I declare the best is yet to come. God has done some amazing things, but the best is yet to come. So we look back and we say, thank you, Lord. But we look ahead and say, there's more to come. But there's some of you today, you're not holding on to the good of yesterday. You're clinging to the pain. And the devil is taking the pain, the hurt, the unforgiveness, the offense, the abuse, the problem, the difficulty. And you're still looking back and it's holding you back. I believe Jesus wants to break some chains today in the name of the Lord. And he wants to, come on, how many people believe that? He wants to set some people free who are chained to the pain of the past. And he wants to bring freedom in the name of the Lord. And I believe God's word today is let go in Jesus' name. Number one, let go. But number two, look up. I want to point out to you a name, a powerful name, a strong name of God that's mentioned six times in our text. Verse four, verse six, verse seven, verse eight, and twice in verse nine. It's the Lord Almighty. In the ancient Hebrew, it's Yahweh Sabaoth. Or Jehovah Sabaoth. The King James Version translates it the Lord of hosts. And Sabaoth means the armies of earth and heaven. One writer says it teaches us that God is sovereign over, over, over the earth and over the heavens. God is sovereign over everything. Someone said it teaches us that nothing can stand against our God. Someone else said it teaches us no one can defeat our Jesus. Someone else said nothing can hinder what God wants to do. I I, I don't believe it was an accident that this powerful militant name of God is mentioned six times in our text. And I believe God is saying to the house today, declare over your problem that he is Jehovah Sabaoth. There's nothing 
that can stop our God. Nothing can hinder our God. The devil's not in charge. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is greater. I'll tell you right now, church, if your perception is focusing on how big your problem is, you are declaring how small your God is. I think it's time the church declares how big our God is and how small our problem is. I think we need to declare Jehovah Sabaoth over our problems. He's gone before us, amen. He's fighting your battle. Don't you fight your battle? Let Jesus fight your battle. He who is in you is ahead of you, beside you, behind you, and over you. He's gone ahead of you. He's the militant king who is fighting. Come on, church. Are you with me today? He's the militant king who's fighting your battle. The Lord is fighting your battle. You feel like your marriage is falling apart. Let the Lord fight the battle. You're aching because your son or your daughter is bound in drugs and alcohol. Get on your knees and let the Lord fight your battle. You feel like there's not a miracle in the making. Get on your knees and let the Lord fight your battle. The Lord can fight your battle better than you. Come on, are you with me today? He is Jehovah Sabaoth. He's the Lord of the supernatural. The last thing I want to share with you is look ahead. Number one, let go. Number two, look up. Number three, look ahead. And I want to read to you verse six down to verse nine. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Yahweh Sabaoth, Jehovah Sabaoth, in a little while. I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot of shaking going on nowadays. If you haven't noticed that COVID has introduced something where, where, where the vaccine, and I, I'm not here to declare to you that the vaccine is the mark of the beast because I don't believe it is, but I believe there's a conditioning going on for planet Earth and people to put their trust fully, fully into man. And I'm here to declare to you my trust. Yeah, I'm grateful for our government, but my trust is not in our government. My trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who my trust is in. That's who my trust is in. And there's a shaking that's going on. There is a world currency that we're moving towards, a one-world currency and a one-world government. It's like the prophetic realm is on high speed right now. And prophecy is not cyclical. It is linear. And it's moving towards the soon return of Jesus Christ. And I believe that prophecy has picked up its speed. And everything is lining up for a one-world government and a one-world currency and for an antichrist. But there's going to come a day when Jesus is going to say enough is enough and he's going to come back for his church. Come on, come on. He's going to come back for his church and everything on earth will be shaken. But Hebrews 12, 28 says there's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'll tell you, church, the government can be shaken and the world can be shaken, but Jesus can never be shaken. He's coming back. He, come on, Woodville. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back someday for his church. Haggai said in a little while, I'll once more shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land. I, verse 7, I will shake all nations. And, and what is desired by all nations will come. Bible scholars declare that desire of all nations is referring to Jesus. Even the ancient Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, has in one of its verse, come desire of all nations. Come and fix your home in us. 
Haggai is prophesying that Jesus is coming back 2,000 years ago. He came back, the, he came the first time as a baby in a manger, but someday he's coming back for his church. And Haggai says, I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. Watch this. I will fill this house with the glory, says the Lord Almighty. Look at verse 8. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine. They're standing there, and they're building the new temple, and they're thinking, back 66 years, some of them, to the beauty of the ancient temple of all the gold and all the silver and the current temple that they're building would be pale compared to the former temple. And Haggai says that God is saying, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. It's not about the gold and it's not about the silver. Watch this, friends, in verse 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. They had to wait years for that to be fulfilled and some years later Jesus came as a baby in a manger and then Jesus grew up and one day he walked into Jerusalem and he walked into that very temple and the glory that is greater than the former glory is talking about Jesus it's not about the bricks and the mortar it's not about the gold and the silver of the temple what made that temple greater than the glory of the former temple was not the bricks the mortar the silver the gold but it was Jesus is in the house. Now, Woodville, we're on a journey, and I'm excited. I'm excited that we are remodeling our children's wing. We're starting next spring, and we're making a, a beautiful children's center, and then we're going to add the next-gen center, and I can't wait, and I believe that's what God wants us to do, but I declare it's not about bricks. It's not about mortar. It's all about Jesus. We want Jesus to come into this place, and we want, come on, Woodville, we want Jesus to step in and do what only he can do. And Haggai says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty, because one day Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came into the temple. And I declare today, Jesus is in the house today in the name of the Lord. Come on. Give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. I want the worship band and team to come up. It was many years ago that Evelyn and I were on a trip in the city of New York. And for those of you who know me well, I love cities. I really feel God has called us to this city. I was coming in from Chelsea from a funeral this week and I'm driving back into Ottawa and I saw the skyline and my heart just went, oh, I love this city. It's so beautiful. I feel so called to this city. Many years ago, we were on a family vacation and we're in New York City and I really love New York City. I don't feel called to it, but I really love New York City. And I wanted to go to Times Square Church. Anybody ever been to Times Square Church, Manhattan? started by David Wilkerson. How many people heard the name David Wilkerson? In the 1950s, as a young preacher in Pennsylvania, the Spirit of God stirred his heart, told him to go to the streets of New York and preach Jesus to the gangs. And he went to the streets of New York and he started to preach Jesus to the gangs and to the drug addicts, and God started to do the supernatural before long, he started a ministry called Teen Challenge. David Wilkerson started it. 
David Wilkerson started it. There's a man named Carter Conlon. Comes from the province of Quebec. Moved to the city of Ottawa. Went to the University of Ottawa and got his education. Became a police officer. And in this church, in the old auditorium, the Spirit of God called him into ministry. And he went to a small community outside of Ottawa, Riceville, Ontario. And he was a sheep farmer and a police officer. And he started a church. And I think the church actually was already in existence. But he went to this, this hurting church and God started to do the supernatural. And he sent one of his cassettes to David Wilkerson of him preaching. It's a long story, but it got the attention of David. And David brought Carter Conlon to that church. And Carter became the successor to David Wilkerson. And if you're ever in New York City, go to Times Square Church. God is doing a great work. And Evelyn and I were in New York City. And we're walking down the main street in Manhattan. And, and honey, you remember the day people were walking around with T-shirts that said, I love, auto, I love New York. You've seen that I love and the heart in New York. And, and I started to sob inwardly. And I, and I just tell you what was going on in my spirit. All I, all I felt was, but I love Ottawa. I love Ottawa. I love this city. We feel so called to this city, to this church, to the nation of Canada. We got to Times Square Church. There was a plaque that probably is still there to this day on the outside of that old theater. And I had this scripture from Luke chapter 7, verse 22. Go back. And report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And outside of the church, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, people that were broken and bruised. And God called this man, David Wilkerson, to start this church. God is using them in a great way to reach New York City. I prophetically declare that God is about to do some things for this church that we never thought possible. Deaf ears are going to open. People are going to come in in wheelchairs and they're going to get up and get out and start walking, start dancing in the presence of the Lord. Blind eyes are going to open. Deaf ears are going to open. Anxiety and disorders are going to be broken. People are going to be saved and set free. I declare they're going to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And God is going to do something great through this church. And he's saying to you and to you and me, let's not look back to the way it is. Let's look ahead to the best that is yet to come. Let's get excited about this new wing and this, this new Christian Ed wing and but it's not about bricks and mortar. It's about Jesus. And when Jesus is in the house, that's all that matters in the name of the Lord. When Jesus is in the house. So I want you to get on your feet right now. Come on, get on your feet. Just lift your hands. 
Pastor, you're going to lead us in this song because Jesus is our living hope. Do you believe that today, Woodville? Come on, do you believe today Jesus is our living hope? I want you to lift your voice. And I want you to say his name together with me, Jesus. Come on, nice and loud. One, two, three. Jesus. Come on, let's declare his name as loud as we can from front to back. You're in one of the overflow rooms. You're, you're at home watching online. Get off your couch. Get on your feet if you can. Come on, mom, dad. Come on, grandma, grandpa. Come on, young person. Come on, adult. Let's lift our voice and say the greatest name. The greatest name is Jesus. There's power in his name. When the name of Jesus declared sick bodies are healed. When the name of Jesus declared captives are set free. When the name of Jesus declared blind eyes are open. When when the name of Jesus is declared, cancer is gone in the name of the Lord. When the name of Jesus is declared, miracles happen. I declare this house shall be a house of miracles. I declare that God has done some great things in this city and in this church, but the best is yet to come in the name of the Lord. So come on, Woodville. Come on, Woodville. Lift up your voice and say his name, Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. Come on. Would you say it again? Declare its name. Something is released when you say the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. I declare in this place, he is Jehovah Sebaoth. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of the armies. We are stepping into battle, but this is not the battle. We're going to fight. Jesus is going to fight our battle in the name of the Lord. Jesus is going to fight our battle in the name of the Lord. Jesus is going to fight our battle in the name of the Lord. He is the living hope. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, Pastor Brad. Sing it to the Lord. Sing it to the Lord. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. You were very fine. Began to breathe, and out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, "The grave has no claim on me." Come on, then came, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to break. Down of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah. Praise the one who said. in your name Jesus Christ you might let me hallelujah hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain the salvation in your name Christ, my 
give a shout of praise to the Lord God in this place today. Amen. Heads about, eyes are closed. Whether you're here in the main auditorium or one of the overflow rooms or watching online, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, you know that you know that you're going to heaven. I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. Was there a time, a place, a moment that you asked Jesus in your life? Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Have you asked Jesus into your life? You're standing here today or you're watching online and you can't answer that question with a definite yes. I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Today I declare that you are my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your eyes, put your hands together, and celebrate salvation. Now you're here on site or you're watching online and you made that decision. You made the best decision of your life. And if you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, we'd love to have you in the journey. You're here on site, a couple of moments on your way out. Drop by an exit table. We got a Bible for you. It's free. And a little booklet for you. We have a class called Follow. It's online. Whether you're here on site or watching online, reach out to us. We want to get you in that Follow class. And then take the next step and get baptized in water. We baptize the first Sunday of the month. It's a public confession of your faith. You're saying, I identify with the death of my sin and me rising up in my new faith in Jesus. They can tell you more about that at the table. In just a couple of moments, I'm going to close in prayer. But could we one more time welcome and thank all our first-time guests? Come on, for coming today. I am so glad that you came. I'm so glad. I want to thank you for your faithful giving of your tithes and offerings. You've come ready to give on site. There's offering buckets on the way out, debit machines in the lobby. And if you'd like personal prayer, feel free to come to the front. There's a team of people at the end of the service, and they'll pray for you COVID-friendly. And uh, we'd love to pray for you. I'm so glad that you came here today. Evelyn and I love you so much. And I shared the story today about David Wilkerson and Carter Conlon, who became his successor and pastored. Uh, Times Square Church up until last year and we're in the journey of getting Carter to come to this church and speak sometime I believe there's an anointing of God over him and I believe what God has done in New York City God wants to do in this great city of Ottawa Church get ready get ready the bruised the broken the hurting are going to come in like we have never seen before and God is getting this church ready for the revival that he is about to bring and he's saying to the house the best is yet to come the best is yet to come we're not going to look back we're going to look up to the Jehovah Sabaoth and we're going to look ahead to the best that is yet to come somebody say amen in this place today amen father God thank you for this amazing church that we love so much thank you God for just the powerful presence of you today Thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you're about to do. And we pray for better, greater days ahead. We thank you for all you've done. And I pray blessing on everyone in this place, everyone that is watching online. And give us, God, a great week and an amazing fall season as we step into this fall season in the next month. Thank you, God, for our time today. Go with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Woodville.